Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, the ringers, Danny Heifetz, joins us for the first time to break down the fantasy implications of many of this offseason's biggest moves. But first, wanted to tell you about another podcast, which is the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. Three days a week, you get Buster Olney, who's one of the best in the business, plus great guests like Mike Trout, top managers like Dave Roberts, and the insights of general managers like Brian Cashman, along with regulars such as Tim Kirkton, Jeff Passan, Sarah Lang, and Carl Ravitch. That's the Baseball Tonight podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Danny Heifetz breaking down the fantasy implications of some of this offseason's biggest moves. All right, joining me as promised for his debut appearance on the show, it's the Ringers' Danny Heifetz. Danny, how are you, my friend? I am phenomenal. Thank you for having me, Bill. Wow, the phenomenal Danny Heifetz. He said it himself. Well, we're here in D.C. It's it's cherry blossom season in D.C. It's a great time. Spring is in the air. The Giants have seven slot receivers. What is there not to be happy about? I'm just picturing like a stack of receivers where it's just five guys in the slot, nobody on the, the line of scrimmage, and just everyone running option routes one after the other. It reminds me, it's like it's like instead of getting one slot receiver who can be healthy, they're just going to get seven that'll get injured. It's like in college when instead of buying towels, I would just get like 100 Chipotle napkins, and it's like they're single use. That's basically how I think of it. I, I thought you meant like a bath towel. And Danny, I don't think you should be using Chipotle napkins to, uh, for, for post-shower purposes. Well, well, there's a lot of things I was doing in college I should be doing, but That's yeah, fair. I, I, it was more like a like a cleanup situation, like a paper towel. But yeah, I, I, you're right. I mean, Chipotle napkins and bath towels, you know, would also save me a lot of laundry. So. <laughs> this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a Jets pizza location near you. Again, try Jets signature eight corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight S A V E. Jets pizza, better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We will get to some of the things you did in college perhaps later on in the show, but let, let's start, Danny, today by talking about some of these moves that have been made over the past few weeks here, whether they be free agency moves, whether they be trades, and kind of just get a sense of what's happened and how it's impacted fantasy football teams. So if you have a dynasty team, if you're a best ball drafter, if you're a person drafting very early for the 2023 season, I think a lot of ways to hit some of the stuff that's happened here. And the first thing you wanted to talk about, and I'm going to say it exactly as you put it here in this email, quote unquote, old RBs getting DiCaprioed 
No, I'm not familiar <laughs> with the verb. Yeah, I think that's super the clear. The verb, the verb to DiCaprio someone. Can you please explain what that means? Well, everyone knows what it means, but to spell out the obvious, <laughs> it's the NFL teams treat the running backs the way Leo DiCaprio treats their girl, his girlfriends, which is like, oh, 26, 27, time to look for a new one. Oh. And I think that's basically how I would describe what happened in fantasy this offseason is all the running backs got DiCaprio. Like, there's all these, there's this old guard, and they're not that old, they're 27. That's my concern is well, that, Danny, you're a young man. You're younger than me, but but you're still. I, I'm 28, so I can't date Leo DiCaprio, but I feel you. Right. Right, but but is that concern you that there are now running backs who are younger than you who are being thrown onto the scrap heap as uh, impossible? It's it's amazing they can even run. Uh, is what it sounds like they're being treated like. I'll never forget Derek Favors was the first athlete who was a pro athlete on the cover of SI who was younger than me, oh. and I hated him. Oh um, no, I have some bad news. And about the I, I I know. So that's the bill. I think I might never be an NFL running back. I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> well, it's probably good for you, frankly. It doesn't seem like it's the most, you know, uh, the most job security of any profession. I would, I would go for podcaster over NFL running back because it feels like you said a lot of these guys either are have been DiCaprioed or under the threat of being DiCaprioed. But let's start. Is there any veteran running back who hit the market where you kind of felt like maybe they were prematurely DiCaprioed? Well, no, it's just more. I think that if I, I you just look at the big picture, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott got cut from the Cowboys. Leonard Fournette got cut from the Bucks. Cream Hunt is a free agent. He might be cooked. Austin Eckler is under contract, but wants a new contract. Derek Henry might be in the last year as a Titan. Dalvin Cook might be in his last year as a Viking. Joe Mixon might be in his last season as a Bengal. Alvin Kamara is going to get extended forever by the Saints, but he's probably going to get suspended this year for a portion. The Saints have Jamal Williams that they signed. I think that overall, I think it's bad if you for a year for fantasy, if you're like my brother. And my brother goes into fantasy football and is like, well, I had Derrick Henry last year and I loved it, so I'm going to draft him again. And he did that in 2019, and he did it in 2020, and he did it in 2021. And it's like, I think if you're into brand name running backs, mm -hmm. It's bad because I think there's a real shift in all of these guys. It's like fantasy running backs. You kind of got to be like the Patriots. It's like, are you want to be, um, you know, out on a guy a year too early instead of a year too late? Mm -hmm. I've been saying that about Travis Kelsey for three years in a row, and that's been a huge mistake. But the question with the running backs is it's really we're at that stage uh, with um, all these. I don't call them old guard. I don't know if medium guard's a term, but that's really <laughs> where we're at with really the brand name recognition running backs. And there's kind of a real vacuum on um really like the, i guess i would say the top 15 running backs in the nfl there's a huge vacuum for like two-thirds of those spots so if, if you were in a dynasty league would that change the way you approach team building like are you now reticent to even go out and try to grab one of those backs because you're concerned that their lifespan is is shorter than maybe it was three or four years ago yeah there's definitely a similarity i don't know if i think that the the description is very similar in between NFL and fantasy. The prescription is probably different, but I think teams are doing what in fantasy will happen too, which is they're like, wow, uh, look at all these guys who are free agents and look at all these, the draft class. There's Bijan Robinson's the best running back prospect in probably since Saquon five years ago. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, I don't know, seven, 10, depending how you count running backs, who are probably going to be able to come in and contribute as rookies like immediately in some form. Some will be like, Garrett Blunts and some will be, I don't know, Darren Sproles's, but there's a real range of like really like a dozen guys who can contribute immediately. And I think that NFL teams looked, and I know Austin Eckler is very upset he's making six million bucks a year, but a lot of teams were like, why, why are we going to pay Zeke 
13 million a year. Why the Bengals are like, why are we going to pay Mixon 12 million a year? If we could just get a guy to come in, be just as good, if not better. It's the most classic 90% of the production for 10% of the cost mm-hmm. that you're going to find is this year. Uh, NFL teams, it's obvious. It's don't pay the guys fantasy. It's probably a little different. There's probably opportunity, you know, to be had in these guys. But I think that mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested in who the, the guys are that are going to fill that vacuum. Mm-hmm. The most obvious one that I'm wondering about is there's really a bunch of guys and they're all similar to me. They're obvious guys who have health issues. Uh, it's <laughs> it's true. Tony Pollard in Dallas. It's yeah. Brees Hall at the Jets. It's Javante Williams in Denver. We can it, start with Pollard if you want, because it's like, well, the Cowboys cut Zeke, didn't really replace him. It's like mm-hmm. Tony Pollard and Ronald Jones are the guys in this roster. And it's like, but the last time we saw Tony Pollard, he was leaving the 49ers playoff game in an air cast. Yes. And I'm not a doctor, but when I see a guy in an air cast, I don't know about you, Bill. I'm like, oh, well, we won't see him for 12 months. And now the Cowboys are just going to go to the season with Tony Pollard on the franchise tag for 10 million bucks. So I honestly don't know. Like, am I crazy for thinking it's crazy to just be like, oh, yeah, Tony Pollard, pencil him in, week one starter, even though he broke his leg in January? You don't think Ronald Jones is going to be a 300-carry guy for the Cowboys? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't say I believe anything that Jerry Jones believes. Maybe it's because he's part of the Jones family. Oh, that's a good point. That didn't even occur to me. Oh, that I'm surprised that the Patriots are not – they have not tried to trade more of their Joneses to the Dallas Cowboys to satisfy Jerry Jones's Jones craze. Wow. Um, you know, I, you're right though. Like, <laughs> like this is a shift that is happening. I, I guess I just, I wonder if there will be a point where it goes too far or it's sort of, you know, like, like I, I sort of wonder about someone like Jonathan Taylor, right? Like Jonathan Taylor was the RB one in fantasy football in 2021, obviously last year hurt, um, for part of the year, had the high ankle sprain late in the season. Um, but a guy who, I mean, two years ago, or ten, sorry, 20 years ago, the idea that he would not be getting a significant second contract is would have been out of the question. Like, of course you sign Jonathan Taylor. There's, there's no way you don't sign Jonathan Taylor. Now, I sort of wonder, like, if you're the Colts and Jonathan Taylor wants $14 million a year, which he has every right to ask for, especially if he has a good 2023 would you sit there and be like, mm, we're going to use another second round pick on a running back. We're good. Like that seems crazy to me and it would be crazy at any other position, but it kind of feels like it's in play now, given how aggressive teams are about moving on from veteran running backs. Yeah. These things always have been flow. I think that this is the Valley. I think this offseason specifically is the Valley and it's kind of like centers in the NBA where it's like, you know, Roy Hibbert was the defensive player of the year, whatever in NBA in 2015, and then two years later, he couldn't play because uh, in crunch time because he couldn't space the floor. I think running backs are very similar. Where like basketball, you've got a 40, 50 year history where the game, football, basketball built around the center of the field, center of the court, running the ball, you know, defending the paint and then three point line and then passing game spread out. And suddenly it's about spacing the field, using everything. And I think that the decline of the running back, decline of the center, but you look at the NBA now, the centers are back. They can just shoot. And I think that five years from now, we'll look back. Running back's going to be a huge part of the game. Just they're all going to contribute in the passing game. I think, I'm not saying Bijan Robinson's Victor Wembanyama, but I think that the, the the guys who are like the Christian McCaffrey's are going to get paid. I know that there's only one of him and that's a bad example, but I think that the guys coming up understanding like the Bijan Robinson's we have to contribute everywhere are going to get paid. Um, I think that's one, that's really the biggest other question. I don't want to just jump around, but I, I mean, that's something I want to talk to you about with this next guy, but sticking with, with Pollard, Pollard's kind of like the Prince that was promised where it's like, I feel like he was 
He didn't even have a picture on Yahoo for a long time. He was this anonymous person that was like, if Ezekiel Elliott ever gets hurt, Tony Pollard will fit in, and it, Zeke never got hurt. And then Zeke, Tony Pollard started playing, and basically more or less every time Tony Pollard touches the ball 13 times, he basically has like 20 fantasy points. That's not actually true, but it feels true. It really does. Like every time he gets 13 touches, he basically scores a touchdown or has the equivalent of it. He is just a top five running back completely disproportionately. Like – almost as much as McCaffrey and, and Kamara at their peak. Um, it's just a question of, are the Cowboys going to give him that workload coming off a broken leg? And we'll see if they draft anyone, but right now they haven't added. So I think Pollard's the guy where it's, all right, we'll see if he's a top 15 pick or not, which would be kind of weird. Another guy who was sort of going in that ballpark last year and then suffered a severe injury, missed most of the year, is Javante Williams, where obviously a much younger player, a guy who is entering now his third NFL season, the Broncos offense was a bit of a mess last year. We certainly feel like Sean Payton is going to be going in a, a different direction. But but what do Denver's moves make you think about Williams and about the fantasy situation for Denver's running backs? So first of all, Denver's offense, a bit of a mess. That's very polite. You're very I, nice. I'm, man. I'm trying to be positive in my old age. Well, it's working because it's my. I'm still in the young age, and let me tell you, I would have called it dumpster fire. And what if, like, I don't know about all the rats left burning. I don't know, but anyway, I think that to your point, it's not about what I think. I think it's about what Sean Payton thinks of the offense, and he spent a gajillion dollars, and people can block. Yeah, they signed Mike McGlinchey to be right tackle, and Ben Powers to be left guard, and Chris Manhurts. You know, he's like a blocking tight end. They freaking got the Michael Burton, who is the fullback in the Saints. It's like I think what Sean Payton thinks is like, holy crap, we got to run the ball. I think that. That is also kind of how he reset the Saints when he went there 15 years ago. I'm not saying Russell Wilson's Drew Brees and anything other than just being short. I think, the, honestly, the question I have for you is can Sean Payton get Russell Wilson to check the ball down? I don't want to be dramatic and say this is the most important question for fantasy football, but, like, Javante Williams is the perfect post-type sleep, aside from the guys coming off the ACL tears being questionable, which is a little scary. Sure. But Javante Williams had, like, 11 catches in week one last year. Yeah. And looked incredible and would have been the focal point of an offense in so many ways. And he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if Trump gets Russell Wilson to check down, we'll put aside for a second, the fact that he's Javante's coming off this ACL tear. Is it crazy to think that Javante has the qualities of kind of an Alvin Kamara and a Mark Ingram from the heyday of when they were like, just like crazy two headed back in, in the, the saints. Do you think he would use Javante Williams in that role where he's both? I don't know, because they also signed Samaje Piran from the Bengals, who I love. I think Samaje Piran's awesome. Me too. Uh, he's fantastic, and I, I think that they Piran could also has like this – not he, he's Camara, but the Camara-esque role. But mm-hmm. I think Javante is, in one hand, this perfect post-type sleeper where exactly what you said, he's kind of like a top 15 pick. You had to get him in the top 20 picks last year if you wanted him. Now you could probably get him in the top 40, top 50. because. But at the same time, now the Broncos offense, if not – will match the expectations heading into last year be a lot closer than the reality which you were too played about because they were an actual dumpster fire but if the broncos actually do run the ball and russell wilson actually checks the ball down instead of just extending every play with you know trying to recapture the days when he was a little more athletic and just trying to you know just do stuff if he actually checks the ball down javante williams and get him the ball it's like javante williams could have 60 70 catches in theory uh which i think would actually make him one of you know, maybe a first round pick heading into 2024. Yeah. I mean, certainly it feels like Javante Williams is a player who has league winning upside. And and there's only so many players in the NFL who are maybe in position 
to have that kind of role or have that kind of opportunity where, you know, I, I don't know, like how if you had to pick a number right now in your head, how many players do you think have a legitimate shot at being the RB1 in fantasy football next year? The great question. RB1? Yeah. That's a great question. I will say, I love this question. This is actually my favorite question. I'm going to say six. Six. Wow. I think it's McCaffrey. Well, I, I would say Christian McCaffrey. I'd say Austin Eckler. Um, I will say Tony Pollard if he got the job and was fully healthy. And Javante. Maybe I'm being down on Derrick Henry. We don't know if Derrick Henry's even going to play even for Saquon next year. That's the thing. And I look at Saquon. I love Saquon. But I also think uh, until I see Saquon sign a long-term deal, maybe the Giants will want to give Saquon a full workload. I'm not convinced Saquon himself will want it. Well, I guess he always will. But... When I think about that, the other guy I've been thinking of a lot, of who could be the number one overall guy, honestly, is Brees Hall for the Jets. That's the Ooh. guy where I think about who could be like a top five pick in 2024. Mm-hmm. And I look at this list, I'm like, dude, Brees Hall is the one that kind of jumps out at me. And again, it sucks because all these guys, you see what I'm saying? Maybe I'm, I don't want to force a narrative, but it really feels like all these guys that are kind of logical leaps of like, who's next, who's backfilling all these like running backs that are aging out. They're all mm-hmm. got hurt last year. Pollard, Javante, and Brees Hall, who... Brees Hall basically got the starting job in week four. Mm-hmm. He got 500 total yards and four touchdowns and tore his ACL. Yeah. Like, even the game he got hurt, uh, Brees Hall had four four carries for, like, 70 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> he was incredible. Yeah. Like, Garrett Wilson, the receiver for the Jets, won Rookie of the Year. But Brees Hall might have won Rookie of the Year if he stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I mean, Aaron Rodgers will eventually play quarterback for the Jets. But I think of Brees Hall as, like, if he's the lead running back and if he gets any semblance of what Aaron Jones has done for the Packers – like I, that's the guy to me where I'm like, Oh my God, you talk about the talent meeting the role and the upgrading quarterback. Like that's the whole package to me. It's just the ACL question. I don't know what you think. I mean, I could see it. Certainly. Um, I, I will say that they moved from uh, Mike LaFleur who came from a offense that was very good at getting running backs to produce to Nathaniel Hackett, who is Nathaniel Hackett. Um, <laughs> he will, we will see, certainly, but you'd also figure getting an upgraded quarterback might help the Jets offense. So I think Brees Hall is a phenomenal prospect and certainly, like you said, um, absolutely belongs on that list in terms of having RB1 upside. What about the rest of the Jets offense? Like if we're assuming Rodgers is going to go to the Jets, what do you think that receiving course shakes out like? Because now, of course, we have Alan Lazard in play. I assume they're going to cut Corey Davis, they have. I not, think so. They have not yet, but he's currently their fourth wideout. They still somehow have Denzel Mims on the roster. They signed Nicole Hardman. They traded away Elijah Moore yesterday. Like what? Well, how does this work? Do you think that Miko Hardman is in on darkness retreats, and Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are out in darkness retreats? Is that how this works? I, I don't know. Maybe Corey Davis is. I can't say for sure. Alan Lazard feels like he's in for sure. He is ride or die with Rodgers. Yeah. So I'm there for sure. I love that when McCall Hartman uh, was announced, like everyone was like, oh, yeah, there's the Jets, Jets sweep guy. And it's just like, yes, like he does. He catches passes, too. He's not just a jet sweep guy, but it's so funny that he's become like. Does Mr. he know? Jet sweep. Does he? Does he, he does. catch passes? He catches tap passes, which are technically passes, even though they're jet sweeps. Um, I have I have seen him. Well, now it's a jet sweep. That's it's it's very it makes sense that he would go to the Jets. That's fair. Um, that checks out. He had he had twenty five catches last year and only four carries technically, but I, some of those were were jet sweep tap passes. So 
I can't well, get the well, since you're being polite in old age. Yes. And I'm, you know, just a, a young, not yet so wise person. Uh, can you explain to me how Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, and Michael Hardman is a better group than Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis? Well, they're cheaper, right? Oh, I don't know, different. I guess Elijah Moore, you got, got a draft pick in return for Elijah Moore, so they'll get some extra capital from that. And Lazard's um, $11 million a year, and I'm like Lazard's that. $11 million a year, Ugh. but Davis was kind of in the same ballpark, right? Yes, that's fair. Um, I, I, I just think it's an odd move overall, but oh sure, but but the the goal is not to get better. The goal is to get more Aaron Rodgersy, right? Like the goal is not <laughs> to be the goal is not to have like the best offense in a vacuum, but the best offense to to appease our uh, our immunized overlord. And I think that's fine. Right. Immunized <laughs> overlord. Oh my god. Well, on that note, I think if Garrett Wilson can appease the immunized overlord, I think Garrett Wilson's going to be like one of the like the Hansel from Zoolander, like Garrett Wilson's so hot right now, Garrett Wilson, because I, I, I both neither want to oversell this or undersell this because I don't want to say, well, what if Garrett Wilson gets the Devontae Adams connection with Rogers? Because that took like five years yes. for Devontae Adams to do. And it's not like an overnight thing. And not only is Garrett Wilson a young receiver, but I actually don't know if Aaron Rodgers will get traded to the Jets till like August. I really think that the Jets are committed enough to doing this where the pa- the real deadline, dead deadline in this is week one, where the, when the Packers have to give Rodgers like the $60 million, that's the real deadline at all of this if it doesn't happen by the draft. And obviously if Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up till training camp or even like week one, that he's not going to have a rapport with Garrett Wilson. However... I also don't want to undersell the upside of uh, Garrett Wilson to me is the receiver that would win like tag, like the tag rankings in the NFL of the players who it's not about breaking tackles, but if you who would win a game of tag, mm-hmm. it's Tyree kills. Number one, I think Lamar Jackson's two and Garrett Wilson's like three to me. Like Garrett Wilson really? is like if Kadarius Tony actually stayed healthy enough to play football, <laughs> he's untouchable in the literal sense. And I feel like that possibility with Aaron Rodgers. I, I I don't know. I don't want. Maybe it's more of a dynasty thing because I have no idea when Rodgers will get to New York, and even the Jets don't know how long Rodgers will play. But I think that the possibility of Rodgers and Garrett Wilson playing together mm-hmm. is kind of mind blowing. It's kind of if you could pick two people to play together and make each other better. I kind of think I might pick those two people. Am I being dramatic? A little, I think. But like, is that <laughs> like like you you brought brought up the point though of it took Devontae Adams five years to post a thousand yard season with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. Now, granted, year five, it was good and it was good for a while. But is there that question of like everyone seeing this? Is Garrett Wilson, at least in season long fantasy football, overrated because everyone's expecting him to get an enormous bump from playing with Aaron Rodgers? And that bump might not come until year three, four, or five. I think, unfortunately, yes, because I think that there's a chance Garrett Wilson might just straight up be like a second round, in which case it's like CeeDee Lamb last year. It's like, is there really upside here? It's just all downside, so that's unfortunate. The flip side is Garrett Wilson already had the 1,000-yard season. He did it as a rookie. But first of all, we need a word for when you did the 1,000. You did something, but you did it in with the 17th game. (laughs) We need to create that. You know what I mean? It's like it shouldn't be fair. But yeah, to your point, I think that unfortunately, like a lot of the cool players are going to be overhyped. Uh, Garrett Wilson probably headlines that. But Brees Hall, I think is legit. But the other one, Elijah Moore in Cleveland, 
this is probably another guy that fantasy football people weirdos like me like more than the real NFL. But I don't understand how the Jets went from like Elijah Moore is our immunized overlord. Like the way that the Jets talked about Elijah Moore when he was drafted afterward, they're like, this guy's going to be a captain. This guy's going to be incredible. I can't believe he fell to the second, the second round. He's a first rounder. When he has played, he's been good. And the two villains have been, he had a huge issue with Michael Fleur, the old coordinator. And then also just Zach Wilson wouldn't throw him the football, which generally speaking is ridiculous because Elijah Moore is very good. And then they traded him. What is the equivalent? Elijah Moore in a third for a second rounder. That's basically what? Elijah Moore for a fourth round pick. That's pretty much right. That's kind of weird to me. And regardless of whether, I don't know why the Packers didn't want him at that price. Maybe they just couldn't get the larger deal done. But I think the Browns with Elijah Moore is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that him, Amari Cooper, and Donovan Peoples-Jones is kind of an incredible trio. So, I again, he's probably like a big enough, he's probably a cool enough name that he'll be maybe a little overrated. But Mm -hmm. I actually think Elijah Moore could be still be an incredible pro and shouldn't really be judged by how he went with the disastrous Zach Wilson tenure. So where do you think, Elijah Moore is going to go in drafts over the next month. What round, if you're drafting him for for a season long? Going to go in drafts. Unfortunately, probably because he's not a secret, like way too high. Like I would say Elijah Moore is probably going to go. Let me let me ask you a, di- a different question. Let's say Garrett Wilson is going in the middle of the second round. How low would Elijah Moore have to go? where you'd feel more comfortable taking him at that round as opposed to Garrett Wilson in the middle of the second round. I would take Elijah Moore in the 13th over Garrett Wilson in the, in the middle of the second. I might even take Elijah Moore in like the 11th over Garrett Wilson in the second, but that's probably because Garrett Wilson in the middle of the second is probably, honestly, if Garrett Wilson's in the third, I probably am just going to take that every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the question is whether the Browns throw the ball more this year, which I think they will. I think they're going to throw a lot more this year and that a lot of their, it's going to be more Watson than Chubb um, centric to the offense this year. Um, but do you think that's I'm a, a good believer, idea? man? I, I'm a, do you think that's a good idea to throw the ball more? I think that because it I, depends. Danny, it, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you saw Sean Watson was bad last year. <laughs> He was horrific. He was um, awful. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a question of like, he, you know, he didn't play football for 700 days. And I think that respective of what I think of Deshaun Watson, I think the Browns perhaps wisely decided to have a very run centric play action based game plan that would then be able to transition from Brissett to Watson. And I think that, again, the Browns, now that they've given up and committed so much money and picks to this guy, are probably going to have an offense that is more focused around that guy mm-hmm. and that Elijah Moore would be a beneficiary of that. That makes sense. Um, do you feel, Oh, let's talk about a different Browns guy, actually a former Browns player who's now in Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield might be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> offense where there's two legitimate number one wide receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, a legit number three in Russell Gage a major hole at running back, but Rashad White is going to figure in the rotation. There was a good offensive line. I don't know if it's still good. They've turned over the coordinator's role. Byron Leftwich is no longer the OC in Tampa. Um, There's a lot of turnover, and there's, at the most important position in sports, Kyle Trask, who we know nothing about two years after he was drafted in the second round, and Baker Mayfield, who... 
we know a lot about, but I'm not sure it's good. So number one, I'll start from the perspective of the receivers. If you're someone who has Mike Evans or Chris Godwin in fantasy football, do you want to see Baker Mayfield win this job or do you want to see Kyle Trask win this job? Um, you want to see both of them lose so spectacularly <laughs> that the Buccaneers go and get literally anyone else. Because I think the answer is that neither is going to be good and that the, I mean, I, I kind of think that it's not a disaster for the Bucs. I think there's a guy that just can be sold to everyone involved. They can convince the fans, they can convince the players, they can convince themselves that they're trying. The reality is, I, 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 you're, I would say, the best numbers guy in the business. What numbers with Baker Mayfield do you look at as representative of Baker Mayfield's ability? Because I don't know what to do with this guy, how to evaluate him. Like what? See, like because he's had four co- He's been on four teams in fifteen months. He's had I, how many coordinators? Five coordinators in five years, maybe six. The only good coach that really has coached him and has continued to coach in the NFL at that job is Kevin Stefanski and Baker had a shoulder injury that limited him. So on one hand, I'm like, well, maybe Baker can catch on and that he was good for a little bit and that he can catch on in the right situation. But I'm like, you know what? There's something to the fact that every situation Baker's left, the wide receivers kind of hate him. That's like really concerning to me. It's like, it's really crazy. The consistency it does. Honestly, Blake Bortles was the last guy. I remember people so consistently shit talking him once he was gone, even while he was still there. It's like DG Moore wasn't happy. Odell's dad obviously called Baker out till Odell got cut. Um, I think Mike Evans, Mr. Loves to have the most thousand yard seasons at the beginning of career. If Mike Evans isn't on pace for a thousand yards in a month, I think it's going to be a big problem here. And so Mike Evans is like that, like, there's always some veteran that on the downturn of their career is available at like the 65th pick in the draft. And you're like, oh, my God, he's still on the board. And then you take him and you're like, oh, my God, this is the worst. I can't play this guy. I can't cut him. No one wants to trade him. How did I take this guy over whatever running back is like, you know, top five in the football right now? And that's mm-hmm. Mike Evans to me this year. Uh, it's it's really concerning. Half Mike Evans touchdowns came in like the last game of the year. He had like 200 yards and like 20 percent of Mike Evans yards. A fifth of his yards mm-hmm. were in one game where if you had Mike. Evans, you were probably not in the fantasy playoffs anyway. No. So I, I I think Mike Evans, I'm really worried about Baker. And then Chris Godwin, it's like, sure, maybe Baker has a connection with him over the middle of the field. And Godwin is like a post-type guy because of the torn ACL. But do you have optimism about the situation in Tampa Bay? Uh, no. But let me ask you this. Let's talk about two famous streaks here. <laughs> do you think it's more likely in 2023 that Mike Evans gets to a thousand yards or that Mike Tomlin posts a winning record. Oh my God. That's such a good Mike related street question. Wow. Um, that's, that's way better than the Ronald Jones and the Jerry Jones family. Uh, I think the Mike Evans one is more likely to break. I, I I have doubted Mike Tomlin. I think I have predicted Mike Tomlin have a losing record three years in a row. And if he could do it last year where they started, what do they start? Two and six? They started and then they, with a rookie quarterback? Two, two and four. six. Two and six. And then they went uh, seven and two afterwards. If he did yeah. it last year, the, I'll always believe. But Mike Evans, I, I think Mike Evans really does care a lot about the thousand yard thing. But he's uh, he's getting up there, man. And again, I just I think Baker and his skills. I don't see the overlap between what Baker does well and what Mike Evans does well. Mm-hmm. Do you think they bring in another running back before the year? 
yes, because they should, but I think Rashad White has that job. So Rashad White honestly might be like the big winner here because I fundamentally, I, I guess I left out the, the the headline here is the Bucks threw the most passes the last two years. Yeah. Like I think that God, the whole offense was kind of buoyed by PPR, which I think is just kind of like fantasy socialism where it's wow. like participation trophies. Wow. Where it's like, it's, oh, well, I'm just saying Tom Brady completes 400 passes. So that's like 400 points being thrown around. It's a little ridiculous. Like, don't even get me started on that. I just think if you catch a ball and you lose two yards, you shouldn't get a point. But either way, they, like if common sense says the Bucks aren't going to let Baker, how much did they give him? Like two million bucks? Yeah, not much. I don't think they're going to let him throw 700 times like Tom Brady threw last year. They're probably going to let him throw 500 times. So mm-hmm. that right there is a huge problem. Uh, and then considering the fact that even Brady could only get Mike Evans three touchdowns in the first three months, four months of the season. Like... I just don't think th- I think this team's going to kind of turtle and go back to a Todd Bowles defense plus running kind of system and don't screw up Baker more than Baker leading them to victory. So I think Rashad White, the running back, is really going to be the main guy. Makes sense. Um, what about the big trade of the offseason so far? The trade up to the first overall pick for the I thought you meant the big trade was Darren Waller to the Giants. That was the big trade in my mind. <laughs> was it? I mean, is he the only Giants receiver who's likely to run a route longer than 10 yards in the upcoming season? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's it, it's I don't want it to really, but it's the Giants accruing players who only play the same position is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Um yeah, let me know about DJ Moore uh and, and Chicago. How do you think the fit is there? Do you think he's a better fantasy prospect or a better fantasy option? in Chicago than he was in Carolina. I think that DJ Moore satisfies the eye test, but not the gut test nor the numbers test. And what I mean by that is DJ Moore individually is a very good receiver. And if you actually stripped every receiver from the context, DJ Moore is one of the best up and coming players in the NFL. It was kind of widely understood that he's, I think he's a very solid, like B or C level player. If like the A list is Devonte and Jamar Chase and, Devo- uh, you know, all those guys, Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore is not in that, but he's much better than the Jerry Judy's of the world. Having said that. Statistically, this isn't a great situation. I think that Matt Aberflus is the coach of the bears and he wants, again, it's a defensive coach. And it's like Justin Fields. If you don't make mistakes, my defense will win the game. They're not going to throw very much. And basically even if DJ Moore, I hate talking about target share, but like if DJ Moore, why? Gets like one. Well, I just think, I guess I, I think it's, I just try to make it relatable, but I think that the point is that if DJ Moore gets a third of the bears pass attempts this year, how much is that really worth? How much are the bears really going to throw? So I, I feel like just because they're putting talent around Justin Fields doesn't mean they're going to really unleash this as an offense in a trusting way. Maybe I'm wrong. Basically you just kind of have to align everything. You need DJ Moore to get dominant target share. You need the bears to let Justin Fields throw way more and you need Justin Fields to get way more efficient in his passing while he's throwing more. Basically, you need him to do Jalen Hurts. He can do the Jalen Hurts. It's just, is that likely? But more important than the statistics, the DJ Moore thing violates my gut, which is, you know what? I have a rule, Bill, when it comes to receivers. This is our new rule on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Oh, no. Which is, you know when you have a fantasy receiver where when they catch, it doesn't matter what you thought when they drafted them, when you're watching them on your team and they're in your lineup, you know when they catch a ball and it feels like a freaking miracle? <laughs> yes, I do. Like DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton last year. When Cortland Sutton caught a football last year, you were like, thank you, God. <laughs> Don't draft guys where it's going to feel like that. And as much as I like DJ Moore, it will feel like a miracle when DJ Moore catches the football. 
And you know what? There's an intangible amount of stress that can come from fantasy players like that. And I think mm-hmm. that we need to quantify that and remove it from your life. And like Ajita, <laughs> don't give yourself the Ajita of like, oh yeah, DJ Moore, new team, they traded him. The-. No, no, no. It's going to feel awful waiting for him to get the ball and realize, actually, they're going to run it seven times in a row with Deontay Foreman. So you're saying draft Deontay Foreman over DJ Moore? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Not literally before him, but just wait, because that's the guy who's going to get the football. It, it kind of sounds like you're saying literally. Yeah, actually, you know, I think, it, so if I were ranking running backs this year, I think it's like Christian McCaffrey, Eckler, um, Derek Henry, Deontay Foreman. Mm-hmm. Top 10, maybe yep. right before Justin Jefferson. Deontay Foreman and Justin Jefferson, right around that like six or seven spot. Hmm. Okay. You know? uh, that is a joke. Please don't take that seriously. Mm, it's this is this show's being recorded, Danny. I hope you know that. Like people are gonna listen to this and actually hold you to what you said. Okay. Well then <laughs> let's just clip it and let's just put it out there. Deontay Foreman top five pick twenty twenty three. Deontay Foreman top five pick twenty twenty three. He looked like a top and five Rashad pick Penny. last year. Oh, you're also on the Rashad Penny train. Uh every game that Rashad Penny plays, I think he's gonna be a top five running back. And okay. it's just a matter of whether he plays like three games or seven. I mean, is there any reason to think he's gonna play more than seven games this year? Well, if you just ignore what's happened in the past, yeah, why not? I mean, that seems like it's a bad thing. <laughs> Just ignore personally. what's happened in his career. No, I think basically I had two independent people independently tell me who know are very smart about football, know football very well. Like six months ago, they're like, yeah, whoever replaces Miles Sanders next year is going to just have 1,600 yards because Miles okay. Sanders wouldn't go north-south. And they just got Rashad Penny, who's like the best north-south runner, makes people miss. Rashad mm-hmm. Penny is going to do so much behind the Eagles O-line. It's just like for how long? For a week or two weeks or three weeks. I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's really good when he's playing, but he's not playing yeah. very often. Maybe um, we should count it in hours. How, 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 how high would you take Rashad Penny? By I the way, because Rashad had, had, Penny had one one game with more than seven fantasy points last year. Yeah, but he also has never not had six yards per carry in a season in that span. That's true. If you think of it that way. Sure. He also has played like 16 games. But I think if factoring in that, again, the guy just can't stay healthy. Rashad Penny realistically is like an upside. Like you're going for like a Tony Pollard-esque guy, like 90th pick, 80th if you're being aggressive, like 100th, depending on your risk profile. If you told me that every running back in the NFL all played 17 games, I would actually put Rashad Penny alongside like Javante Williams, like a top 20 guy. But like uh, like – I actually think that's the kind of opportunity he's going to have there. But again, he's probably not because he always gets hurt. But what if he just doesn't randomly? That was the same thing we said about James Conner like two years ago. And he just didn't get hurt. And James Conner just was like like a league-winning player two years ago. And so uh, basically, the real answer is I think it's less about a ranking and a number. And it's more what's the earliest pick you're willing to just light on fire if this guy gets hurt in exchange. And that's about your risk profile. Yeah. So – Call it a 10th rounder and adjust that based on whether you're comfortable lighting a pick on fire if the guy gets hurt in like August. How high is that number for you? What round are you willing to light a pick on fire in? I would say that point in the draft where the tight ends are not good anymore, but you feel obligated to get one because you don't have a starter. So I would say, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like 90th or 100th and you're like, oh. I don't have one yet. Dalton Schultz is the Pat Fryer move. Dalton Schultz is that, you know what I mean? And you're like, I guess I should, 
And like, and that's where like go rookie receivers in that range. Like, you know what I mean? Like if a Jackson Smith and Jigba is still there or something, but like this year, the rookie receivers, there's not that many to contribute. And I think that this is the year maybe where like you take a dart at all these running backs who kind of did musical chairs this year. You know what I mean? The, the David Montgomery's Jamal Williams and the saints, but like Rashad Penny is the guy that like easily to me has the most upside of those group. I agree, but it may be for three weeks. At least like with Rashad Penny, it's going to be like a, you're either going to know, well, actually, no, it's not true. You know what I could see? I could see it being very frustrating because Boston Scott gets like all the red zone carry <laughs> for some inexplicable reason. Well, that's the thing. It's like Jalen Hurts, you know what? Never told people in fantasy to watch the league meetings, but if they ban the tush push or the QB cheek, as the kids call it, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts had, the, I believe, the second most carries inside the five-yard line all year. Mm-hmm. Do you think if they're they gonna, ban it? I don't. I don't know if they're going to actually ban it. Like, I, I think the NFL secretly likes it. Well, maybe they'll ban Rashad Penny getting hurt. I don't think the NFL likes that as much, but uh, we will see what happens. <laughs> that is a different kind of push. Um, Danny, <laughs> you expressed a lot of theories during our show today. If people want to listen to more of your theories, where can they do that? Wow. A true professional, Bill. Please come to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. We do, Danny Kelly and I, uh, Ben Solak, Craig Horlbeck, we cover the NFL Draft. And as you can probably tell if you listen to this podcast, we're a little um, zany in our coverage. Uh, But in my humble opinion, it is one of the best draft shows out there. And then we're also doing the fantasy football show after the draft. So draft season, we kind of transform into the NFL Draft Show. But it's the same feed, Ringer Fantasy Football Show, Ringer NFL Draft Show. Search it, we'll show up. Uh, and there you go. Thank you, Bill. Beautiful. Thank you, Danny. All right. Thanks so much to Danny Heifetz, one of the best out there. Check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show and its draft, uh, its, its mutation during the offseason into a draft show. Uh, Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, Rick Wack, of course, all some of the greats. Thanks so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate you guys checking out the show and appreciate you listening to me and Danny and hope you guys enjoy the rest of the free agent period. Certainly plenty more to talk about when it comes to the NFL, but thanks so much for listening.